You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing, a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Merry Christmas and welcome to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarin. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. Ben Boyd is our executive producer. Mike Anderson helping us out in our network studios. And a big thanks to Ann Carroll from the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network as well. Clibs, I hope you got everything that uh, you wanted For Christmas under the tree, we're going to give Cardinal fans the gift of some fantastic conversations over the next couple of hours. But even though we say the same thing every year, it it never ceases to amaze me that the holidays come and go and then we're into the new year and getting ready for Cardinal baseball. You're right. I've got everything under the tree and part of it was being here. (laughs) That's always a good way to look at it. But I think, Chris, we're, we're leading up to the next stage, and that is the winter warm-up. And once the winter warm-up kicks off, then we're probably, probably more hands on deck. But it's nice to see things gradually coming together. Last couple of years, it's been kind of slow. You know, we had the trade for Goldschmidt. But this year, I think you're starting to see things start to come together a little bit more. The team is also, um, they assess what they needed in the offseason. I, I still think you'll see some acquisitions and some changes made before we get to spring training. But I like the direction of where they're headed. Well, especially as the baseball industry takes some time to enjoy the holidays this time of year every year. And that gives us the chance to bring you some fantastic conversations, clips, folks that you've sat down with over the last year. Uh, Mike Shannon's joined you as well. Keith Hernandez, Tom Pagnazzi, Fernando Tatis, Gary Gaetti, Fernando Vina, Reggie Sanders, Jim Tomey. It's a pretty darn good team you could put together right there. We're going to hear yeah. from from all of them and, and have some fun over the next couple of hours. Man. Should be a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs, uh, a lot of good information, some good stories along the way also. So if you didn't have a chance to hear them when they had a chance to visit with us the first time, you don't want to miss this. I'll ask you this. With the Christmas theme, if you could ask for maybe one bucket list guest to have sit down with you and Mike, who would it be? Gosh, it's a good question. We had so many you guys have of them. talked to just about everyone. Yeah, uh, I'm, that's a good question, man. Well, I don't know. You mean from the guests we've had in the past, or just someone? Someone in the you haven't had the chance to sit down with, and I'm telling you, you can wave your magic wand, and they'll be there uh, the first Friday night of next season to join you and Mike. That's that's too good of a question for me to answer right now. I can so. let you think. Yeah, on it. let me percolate. And we'll get, we'll on get that back one. to it. You yeah. know what? This is a great tease. We'll get back to it as we close the show. All right. All right. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. Let's start with a fantastic, fantastic former Cardinal. I think a lot of folks excited for the day that he could don a red jacket. Keith Hernandez leads us off with Mike Claiborne and Mike Shannon. Talked about your relationship with Brock. Oh, gosh. Lou. The relationship started with Lou, and I forgot. I was with Lou last night, so um, I did the thing with Willie. I heard that was a great event It was last fun with night. Willie. You, Willie, and, and Lou, and, and McGee, Dan myself, and yeah. Lou came, and uh, so we were just chatting up, talking old war stories, and 
But Lou, in instructional league in 1972, was my first year in A-ball, first year in minor leagues. St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg Cardinals. And I went to instructional league after. And I remember Tom Burgess was our manager. And we got off. We had Bob Force there, John Denny, uh, Mark Hill, myself. Um, and the Cardinals were kind of uh, in transition, Lou and Bob were getting older, Gibson, and uh, I took McCar- uh, McCarver was getting older. So that 60s guard was kind of was getting to the – so really had a good farm system. And we got off to like an 0-7 start or something like that, and George Kissel flew down from St. Louis. And he took over. Like, came in and chewed our butts out. And the Cardinals, you're the best we got in the minor leagues. And, uh, 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 you're disgracing the birds and the bats. I went, we're going to come out here and we're going to do fundamentals. And, and we wound up winning the league. We, we turned it around and we played around 38 games or something, 40 games. And it was over by Thanksgiving. And I led the league in hitting. And that was my first batting title. I'll count that. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, Lou came down and spent around 10 days with us from some, from uh, St. Louis. Lou in his prime. He just came down and was on the field with us. And I guess he told me later, they told him about me and to kind of, you know, chat me up. So here I am. I'm 18 years old. I'm a year out of high school. And Lou, I'm shagging fly balls with Lou Brock doesn't get any better than and, that. You know, I mean, come on, shoot, I'm a kid. And um, he was just so, he sat in the bench, he watched every game, and uh, it was just, he even got in the cage and hit, and he was, that's where it started. That's where I first met Lou. What was it like to hit behind him when you got well, to the big leagues? Um, he let off always, and Tempe hit mm-hmm. second, and I hit third. But I'll tell you one story. This is how the kind of player Lou was. Uh, this was 77, and I, my first, my breakout year, I really had a, I'd had a good second half in 76, and a great second half, actually, at 333, and then uh, 77, Vern Rapp comes in with Roger Freed and all that, he's, he's my boy, and I I better get off to a good start, because he's, he's itching to play Roger, and I get off to a great start, and he couldn't take me out of the lineup, and um, we go into Cincinnati, and I'm swinging the bat good. And Lou, right before, uh, he's in the on-deck circle. And I went up and uh, just got some pine tar. And he said, he goes, look it. He goes, Johnny Bench is behind the plate. He goes, he likes his reputation as this great catcher. He could throw runners out. He goes, he puts down number one. If I'm on base, you'll put down number one. He goes, don't take a pitch for me. You get a fastball you like, you swing. That's pretty nice, huh? And you did swing. Do <laughs> <laughs> you, you see a, not, a lot of that today where a veteran will look after a kid that he believes in and, and tries to show him the little things that, A, will make him a good player, but, B, will keep him in the big leagues? Um, I don't know. Uh, our team, when I came up, was a veteran team. And, uh, I mean, Rick Wise was on that team. And... Um, uh, I felt like I was a freshman in high school when I when I got called up, and everybody was like thirty five, thirty years old, and uh, it was pretty much a three in the water back then. But Lou was the one guy. Well, Ted Sizemore was very nice to me, very nice. Uh, but Lou, 
was the one that kind of took an in- interest in me. And um, you know, I don't, I you know, I've always said it. I don't think I would have, I would have made it without uh, Lou. But Lou didn't baby me. If I was pouting, he'd come tell me off. You know. You you guys share something, Mike. When you broke in, you were with a lot of veteran players. You were with a lot of veteran players. Key, was it more important to be a good listener than a good player? They didn't want me around. <laughs> you, you just sat there and you didn't say anything. If you did, you you're about to say something. They'd put a towel in your mouth. You know. You just uh, with Gibson in that clubhouse. Oh, you just yeah. you just I stayed clear. I was four lockers down from Bob, and so uh, I. You know, I, he caught me in the trainer's room I, one year. I had a, I had a, a razor blade cut from my fingernail. I used to always have to file my my ring finger on my right hand. Would always on my middle finger. It it would uh, it would uh, if I didn't keep it uh, cut on the on the inside edge, it would do a razor blade cut like a paper cut on mm-hmm. my on my middle finger, and it wouldn't bleed. It'd just be a deep. So I had to put kind. I had to go in and get tough skin and spray it put a band-aid over it and then put adhesive tape so i'm in the trainer's room and i'm over there i'm not bothering anybody no one's rubbing me down and i'm over there and gibson walks in and goes what the heck are you doing in this lock if i ever see you i'm gonna kick your blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and i grabbed the tuscan can i grabbed the box of uh, band-aids and i bought a big roll of adhesive tape and I just got hightailed out of that trainer's room, and I always did it in front of my locker from that point on. <laughs> That's the way it was back then, though. You know, you know. I remember what uh, uh, Nor- uh, uh, not Norm Cash, but uh, Al Kaline said to me, and I didn't, I didn't know this because I had played for Johnny Pesky out in Seattle, and uh, he said he came right out of high school, and he took he took somebody's place, and the rest of the players didn't like that. You know, Pesky? No, no. Uh, K-Line. 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 Okay. Yeah, well, he, I tried. was 18 years old? Or? Yeah, he came right out of high school and right. put him on the big Led league. Led the league in hitting, right? Well, I don't know about that, but the, he said the only guy that would talk to him that helped him was Pesky. I didn't even know Pesky was on that team. I didn't know did Pesky play for Detroit. No, I didn't either, and that's what he told me. He said Pesky was the only guy that, that helped him. But he said, man, he said – these guys, they they did everything. Well, the story Phil Rizzuto, because he was in New York doing the Yankees, he said that when he came up, he was a little Italian kid, a little tiny guy, and they wouldn't let him hit. And it wasn't until Joe DiMaggio came out and finally, okay, leave the kid alone, let him hit. And was then it, that, was, huh? it was like Moses parting the Red Sea. <laughs> but, you know, and, and really before my time, they were they were really bad. I mean, they, they'd tell you... They'd tell you things that weren't good for you, you know. Let's take another break. They'd lead you down the the trail. I didn't need any help. (laughs) I wasn't old enough to drink (laughs) when I got called up. (laughs) But you learned how once you got there, though. Well, you're darn right you learned how. There wasn't any. You didn't have any medicine back then. And uh, the only thing you had was alcohol. Hey, a big thanks to Goodwill. The good people at Goodwill helped make our winter meetings coverage possible. That was our first edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Goodwill, donate a car to Goodwill for four free Cardinals tickets. We'll take a break. When we come back, Tom Pagnazzi sits down with Mike and Mike. That's next on this Christmas edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. 
Tom Pagnazzi is our guest. He's Mike Shannon. I'm Mike Claiborne. We're having a great time. All right. You're you're uh, uh, nephew. Where is he now? Matt. Uh, Matt. He's uh, he's in Phoenix. Uh, he's actually a, a firefighter. Uh-huh. Uh, he's loving it. You know, he goes, just like, you, just, like, him, just like a, a locker room. You know, he, he was a catcher. Yep. And we had him in spring training was quite a few years ago. And I went down to him. I asked him, I said, who's got the best stuff on the team? And he told me who it was. And, uh, and he was right. Yeah. He, he, he understood the game. Yeah, he did. He, he did. just couldn't hit. He could not <laughs> hit. No, I mean, he, he, he's, he's with 2,000, you know, million other guys. You know, it, it's funny because, like, like I told Matt, I said, you know, just stay as long as you can. You're going to get a month here. You're going to get a month. You know, he'd be – he could be in double-A or triple-A, not catching because he couldn't hit. So, he was, you know, they didn't see him. But every time they sent a big leaguer down there to rehab, who was catching him? Yeah. No, you know, when he was mm-hmm. here for his cup of coffee yeah. – you could tell he had really had an understanding. But of the I game saw him in spring training, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, but I, because he was yep. your nephew, I went to him and asked yeah. him. And boy, he was right on. Yeah. He, no, he he knew, he knew the he game. He's a good he, baseball yeah. guy. I'm yep. surprised he's not in the game. Well, he, you know, the the Diamondbacks tried to hire him, and um, you know, he he was he had got his real estate license, and he was in firefighter school. He said, you know, I, I could. It's I can a regular move around job, for yeah. forever, and you know I got a family, and and uh, you know I'm just going to do this. And, and he falls in line with thousands of yep. other guys, yep. you know, that should be in the game but aren't. Yep. Exactly one, right. For one reason or another, not for money. Like, like I told him, because when he called me, I said, Matt, you, you need to go do it because you're going to end up managing someday. Mm-hmm. But they were I taking agree. him to the big leagues mm-hmm. as the bullpen catcher, you know, and that's just not. The bullpen catcher's not on the benefit. I haven't seen, not the, all that, I haven't seen you know. the bullpen catcher that ended up managing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, he would have been better off going to the minor leagues because I think – because he's a great kid. You know, yeah. he's a great person. And he needed a guy like Kissel to, to yep. take care of him, you know. Exactly. And, 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 you know, so it's unfortunate. But, you know, he was a good, well, he's good happy. baseball Yeah, he's happy. That's, uh, love, that love really him. is. Yep. So, you know, you've been out of the game for a while. <clears throat> and when you broke in, you had to learn how to call your own game. What's the biggest difference in catching now compared to when you caught? Well, I, I think they have so much more information. It's it's too it's much information in some cases. Overload, yeah, yeah. absolutely. O- overload at, at times, you know. Um, or is the information that you've had to, it, as a catcher, and you you know your pitchers as well as yeah, anybody. Tommy, think back now, okay. <laughs> You had all that knowledge up here. Up here. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Before exactly. The and, 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 it down and, now. and you use it you use it all the time. These guys now they're pulling they they're got pulling these papers out of there looking wristbands. Some, 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 on one of, some of the biggest things I see, you know, I learned real early, um, you know, one not being a catcher, um, growing up, you know, so when when I got well, were you from, before I, you were I was playing infield. I didn't start catching till my third what year in college. position you play on infield? Short, second, and third. It depends on who made a mistake the day before. That's why <laughs> yeah. I used to, I was the best hitter of the of the four of us, and yeah. whoever made the last error, that's where you I was will playing get to the, start next day, the next day. You know, and um, that's, you know, how, it's that's funny how you learn to Joe play Madden, the game, though. I, I don't know if you, you noticed, but Joe Madden came up to me before I threw the first pitch when I was standing out there. Joe Madden was one of the five guys that I talked to. The Milwaukee Brewers had drafted me and wanted me to catch. I'd never caught a game in my life. And they had me talk to five scouts. Joe Madden was a scout out in Arizona. And I sat down with Joe. I said, he goes, Joe goes, Former catcher. You know, Joe goes, well, you're not going to play in the big leagues as a third baseman because you, you don't have power. You, you can't run. You're not going to play short and second. So, if you know, the way you swing the bat, you learn to catch. You have a chance to play in the big leagues. Well, that's all I needed to hear. Uh, I'm, I'm, 
made a position change. Sure. You know, it's interesting. You talk about Joe Madden, who's been a guest on this show a couple of times. He, he, you know, he went, he did it the hard way. He was a minor league guy who was a catcher, he was a scout. scout. He was everything. Yeah. He's done everything in this game. And sometimes people question, well, why are you doing this and why are you doing that? Because he's that guy who always thought about if I ever, this is what I'm going to do. Yep. But I the agree. other thing, Mike said something earlier about Whitey, about photographic memory. Joe Madden's got same the same way. thing. Yep. He doesn't forget anything or anybody and probably is as big of a Cardinal fan as you will ever see yeah. that's not a Cardinal himself. I, I hadn't talked to Joe Madden since 1982. And he remembered you like it was yesterday. And he came up and started talking, you know, how's, how's the coach? How's, how's, you know, Kenny, you know, was my, was my college coach. Um, he goes, I love KR, you know, and he goes, how's Larry, you know, the assistant. And I said, you know, coach, he died a couple of years ago, you know, and it's like, oh man, you know, I wish I'd have known that, you know, and mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about guys, he, he was a scout. He, I mean, uh, he, he was beating he, bushes back then. But he's he's a lot more. I mean, you when you th he's so well rounded. About, oh, without a doubt about life. Yes, okay. yes. yeah, that, that, yeah. That's his big. Yeah. Like I had a I had a kid come home to me and say the coach doesn't know what he's doing. I said, yeah, I understand that. But I tell you what, he he made men out of those guys. Yeah, I said, without a doubt. That's yeah. all that counts. I said, and these are 14, 15 year old kids. You know, he was a coach. Who think and, they know everything at that point? Well, too, yeah. by the way. But anyway, I said. I, you're right. He he doesn't know. He can't coach this and can't coach that. I I, I coach against him and be easy, but I said he makes men out of the kids. You know. I said so. I said if you want to coach, I said you go get a you go get a good degree and you come back <laughs> you and come you back coach. Take his job. That's the way you want to do it. So what's been the biggest change you see? And one of the things I see, we don't see it here in St. Louis as much because we have Yachty, but I see if you're a catcher. And if you can't turn to your left or your right to look in the dugout to see what they want you to call, then you probably won't play the next yeah, day. You, that, that wouldn't work very good with me. <laughs> how long did it take you to learn how to call a game? Well, you know, it, it, actually, you know, in, in, in AAA. Um, Who was your manager the, the, in AAA? Jim Fergosi. But, but really the guy that taught me the most was Dave LaPointe. Mm -hmm. Pointer, uh, he was on his way now out. We're talking about catching, not drinking. But we're not talking no, about no, hanging believe out. it or not, right, he okay. did talk right. baseball. He, okay, you know? and, he, and he wound up being a, a coach. Somewhere. Yeah, you yeah. know, what was funny. You know, in fairness to him, he was a really good baseball guy. Yeah, he, he, knew, he was. He knew the game. Yep. Yeah, he, he he did know the game, and he knew. But but he taught me how to use the changeup. You know, when when I first started catching, first of all, you know, guys in the minor leagues and in, and in college they didn't throw the changeup a whole lot. Nope. And, and he taught me how important that pitch was. So then I get up here and, you know, you had Danny Cox and John Tudor, two great change-ups. Mm. Then Greg Matthews came shortly after that, you know, good change-up. We had guys that, 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 that threw that, you know. But a, a guy that made a great point to me was in winter ball, Mike Quayer, who pitched oh, yeah, for uh, yeah, Baltimore. You know, yeah. you know, well, he uh, was here. You know. Yeah. Uh, Quayar, you know. One, we, remember we had him on the show one night. <laughs> I, I, I remember, I, but I don't remember yeah, being on we the had show. Him on the, show. You know, the only reason why I remember because he had one cocktail too many. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> yeah. he dropped one word, one word and we all heard can't. about it the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But Mike Quayar, you know, he was the first one to tell me, you know, and I was a young catcher, and uh, he was the first one to tell me, hey, 
don't get them out with your good stuff with nobody mm-hmm. on in the first inning. Right. You save you save that pitch. We talk until, about that all the time. All like, the time. And, I, and that's like, something that you don't see today. You're, you're asking me the question. <laughs> see, they're going to get them out right away with you know. They show them everything in the closet in right the first away. inning. You're I, right. I got to base it off Seaver one time. I saw I saw him the next day and and I said, hey, what what was it? He said, don't worry about that. You'll never see that again. When the game's <laughs> on the line, yeah, exactly. You know, it was like ten to nothing. Yeah. He said, here. The Cardinals care winter warm up is Saturday, January 18th through Monday. January 20th. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autograph tickets at cardinals.com slash WWU. Lots of great former Cardinals there. A fan favorite, Fernando Tatis, joins us next on this special Christmas edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarant on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amarant on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back, everybody. We continue with Fernando Tatis here in St. Louis. We have a chance to visit with him. I'm going to take you back to one particular night. A fastball to Tatis with the bases loaded, no one out, two over the count. That would be my guess, and I think that's what Tatis is looking for. Let's see how they play it. Park is set. He kicks and delivers. Fastball, and it's a green slam. We see who powered that one. A green slam home run, and the Cardinals lead it four to two. That went over the bullpen. Tatis could make it an 11 run inning here in the third. Cardinals have already scored seven. In the pitch, the runners go 3 2. Tatis swing and a long one. There it is, folks. Baseball history. A second grand home run for Fernando Tatis. The third inning in Los Angeles, California, and the Cardinals lead it 11 to 2. Wow! Wow! Get those record books out, folks. Certainly a special night for you for so many different reasons. And while you're going to be known for a lot of things, that's something you'll never be able to shake off in what you did. So walk me through that night. I mean, were you in a, were you on a hot streak? Uh, what was going on? Because a you hit two grand slams. B you hit obviously two home runs. B C you hit them in the same inning and off the same pitcher. So walk me through that inning, not just the whole night. Man, never hit a grand slam in my career. Really? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> out of the sudden, boom! I got the first one. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, I'm happy. I make my night. That was my night. And that was that's the next game I, I, I think too. Four <laughs> RBI. You know, and I'm very happy. Okay, we 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 win in the game. All of a sudden, you know, we just keep going, hitting and walking and, and, and basically double, basic bases loaded the game. Okay. I don't wanna face Chan Ho. Chan Ho struck me out three times that year in spring trainer. And I and I tell Eric Davis, D, I don't want to face that guy in, during the season. And Eric tell tell me, I remember right now. He told me it's not gonna be like that during the season. Mm-hmm. You're gonna see him more often. It's gonna be okay, kid. Okay. I say okay, let's do it. My second at bat, boom, boom, two strike right away. You know, my first at bat, it was two balls, no strike. And so you were sitting on the pitch the first at bat. Well, <clears throat> I was waiting for my pitch. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for my pitch. I'm looking always for, for my pitch, not, not, not pitches uh, pitch. I'm looking for always for my pitch. 
every time that I'm going to the plate. So I got two strikes right right away. I said, okay, he's mine. He's <laughs> not happy. It's a wrap now. He's <laughs> not happy. And uh, we're going foul ball, ball one, foul ball, ball two, foul ball, and uh, ball three, three, two counts. So mm-hmm. I see all, all his pitches now. And he throw me a hang slide right there. Really? And you didn't and, miss any of it? And it's happened. Boom, the second one. So as you're going around the bases, not only you say, hey, I hit my first grand slam, I just hit two in the same inning. I mean, I think that's the thing that's mind-boggling, along with a guy who you'd seen all of the, everything he could throw you, you already seen it, so mm-hmm. you just narrowed it down to what you knew he was going to throw you. Yeah. So what was it like when you got to the dugout? Because nobody had ever seen that before. Running the bases, when I hit the ball, I, I was not sure. Mm-hmm. If the ball is gonna, it was gonna go, and I say, okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. The ball is gone. I say, oh my god, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. The ball is gone, the ball is gone, and I was so happy about it. I can, I, I don't, I, I can't even believe that I doing it that night. What was it like the next day? Oh, because man. I know it was did you crazy. sleep at all that night? I it mean, was thinking crazy. about what you did after the game, not the next, the next day after the game. Uh, my phone at the hotel. This is was, before cell phones were big. And yeah, nobody was texting yeah. You it was ringing the whole night. People coming from Korea, Japan, <laughs> from all over. So I couldn't even sleep. And I was so happy that, you know, people not even know me. And now yeah, everyone man, in yeah. baseball. They'll never forget you for it, especially Chang Ho Park. Have <laughs> 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 you run into him at all? <laughs> You ever seen him at all? And after that, we played together. Oh, really? Yeah, we played together did, after that. Did you bring with the it Mets, up at all? With the Mets. And uh, it, it, nice guy, very nice guy. And uh, he always telling me, Tatis, what's going on? <laughs> Everywhere that we go, people just talk about the same, same thing. The two runs like on one inning. They never even talk about Shang Ho. They want to talk about you. <laughs> Make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, in Cardinals baseball, packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7687. Gary Gaetti joins us when we return. It's a Christmas edition, Merry Christmas, of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Gary Gaetti is our guest. Or as I mentioned to you earlier, you were drafted by the Cardinals. You decided to take a pass on that. When did you actually have a chance where baseball became obviously a, a serious and now a business for you? It's a funny story because when I realized that I could play at the major league level was very interesting. I was sitting right over there on in Old Bush Stadium, third base, and I was caddy corner. Pete Rose was playing third base for the Reds or the Phillies or whatever it was and then at the time. And I was right in line with him throwing to first base, and I was like going, well, I got a better arm than he does. <laughs> in co- you know, and in college, I mean, he wasn't known for throwing, but I'm saying that's when I realized, like, well, I've got a little bit of the ability. I, th- I know I can throw it across the infield harder than that, and yet he was one of all-time greats. I mean, that kind of inspired me to think, you know what, I can probably do that. I mean, now I didn't know what was going to happen down the road, but – you know, that's you know. A, you can be, a lot can be said about that too, Gary. When it's coming to the big leagues, all of a sudden you say, hey, you know what? I can play with these that's guys, right. and uh, I'm just as good as they are. And, and then you go to the next step and the step after that and so forth and so on. 
But yep. you have to convince yourself, first of all, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you can't be intimidated. And that's, you know, I mean, I was, I God, I was a terrible fan as a player. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it, it kind of helped me to be stupid, you know, good about, you know, I knew I could play, but it's like I wasn't intimidated by the competition. I didn't care, you know what I'm saying? It's just, let's when just play, you, let's play ball. When did you know you, you could play? When you got to the big leagues or when as you ascended through the minors? Because at some point, you're on the field with guys you used to watch playing as a kid. Yeah, I know. I, man, I, obviously you know you can play when you're there. You know, it's like I learned a lot of stuff in the minor leagues. I really learned a lot about mechanics and stuff from my college coach and being able to, and just knowing that I'm that I was good. You know, it's like you know I knew I had a good arm and my fielding mechanics were good and it's just something that stayed with me. But you know, when I got my first got called up to the big leagues, I'd played on some of the worst infields ever. You know, what I'm saying just oh, <laughs> and first time I played on AstroTurf, I was like. And bright lights was, dude, I don't even need a glove. This, I, I don't even need a glove to play out here. It was so nice. It was just like, this is so good. You know, and I mean, I'd trained myself coming up. So, I mean, I knew kind of, I knew kind of in college that I had the physical ability to do it. You know, I wasn't sure about the, you know, wooden bats, you know, making that change. But, I mean, it wasn't a problem once you do it every day. But I think a lot of guys struggle nowadays with just learning how to play every day. <laughs> go from, you know, playing go from college and then go to pros and you got to play every day. A lot of guys just don't know how to do that. You know, you got to learn how to do that. You know, that that's an interesting point you make because I've never seen more guys take days off than I see today in the game where your era, certainly Mike's era, guys got to the ballpark and they expected to play every day and you literally have to be pulled out of the lineup. Now it seems like guys accept the fact of not having to play every day. Or they can't go 100%. Yeah. How many times you go 100% feel 100%? I felt like crap most of the time. <laughs> well, Never 100%. First of all, it's not the players' fault. That's the way that they're uh, taught in the minor leagues, okay? And uh, I'll give you an example. We had a player, and he was a first-round draft choice, and he was ready to go, and he, and he told everybody, said, okay, he was, on the, he was on the disabled list at the time. They call it the IL now, the injured list. And uh, he said, oh, I'm ready. And they said, okay. Uh, St. Louis said, well, give him two more days. So, you know, basically they were spoiled, okay? And I've asked, uh, I've asked pitchers that were no-chance miss pitchers, okay, come up to the big guy. I said, were you ready to go? They said no because they only threw 100 pitches in the minor leagues, and, and consequently they, they uh, overpowered 80% of those guys, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm because they weren't big league players. And then they got up here, and they had to well, run on 80% uh, of those yeah. pitches rather than 100%, right. you know? Uh, it, it just need, and I'm talking about not one guy. I ask every one of them, the, the, no, the no miss guys, the number one draft choices that were gonna be in the big leagues, and everybody said, yeah, this guy's, he's a cinch. Yeah. Well, I know you wanna be careful with arms. I mean, that's a little bit different story, but I'm just saying there's so many times where I didn't feel like I, I had it 100% that day, my arm hanging, whatever. It's like, we're going to go play. I mean, and once I, you started playing, you figured well, it out. Kind of sometimes, you know, but it's still, it's like there's very few times I felt like I was at 100%. I mean, something was hurting all the time. That's a part of playing every day that a lot of guys Pitchers you know, are like don't. that, too. I've talked to pitchers, like Maddox, for instance, okay? Uh, so he said, I said, what's the most important thing that uh, – 
Hall of Fame pitcher, what's the most, thing, most important thing for him? He says, going out there every four yeah, days. You got to throw up all the time. No matter what. Yeah. No matter what. He said, I go, I, he said, I'd get to the ballpark. He said, I'd be throwing up. I'd be sick as can be. I'd go down. I'd warm up. He said, next thing I know, it was the fifth inning, and I had yeah, no hitter going. You <laughs> find, it, find a way. You find a way to do it. I mean, it's like, you know, and they've got some nice uh, medical treatments these days that, you know, can help you through it. But back then it was like aspirin and upset stomach and Pepto, whatever you got to do, and hopefully you make it through it. But And I know that the generation before me was, you know. Yeah, they were just t- game, I mean, yeah. they – Dude, they were gamers. You know, when you when you look at guys today, failure is almost accepted more than it used to be where a guy can go, he can come up to the big leagues and go over for six weeks in some cases and they pat him on the back and say, go get him tomorrow. I mean, the, the mere threat of maybe going back to the minors or honing your skill doesn't seem as like it's as prevalent now as it used to be. Baseball, television, money i mean it's like this is i don't think they it's not that they don't care this bothers me more than anything that i have never seen so many guys just walk back to the dugout after with two strikes and not even fight they just oh i wouldn't look for that or you know what i'm saying because the umpiring actually with the way things are going they're getting it right but i'm saying i've never seen somebody guys just leave the bat they on accept the, the strike and, and just oh i couldn't hit that you know i wasn't looking in that location it's like I just he won. Hey, nice pitch, and instead of like tipsy like, cap, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm right. It's like I've never seen somebody guys just go down looking, and that's just it bothers me. Well, I, I mean, I struck I out a lot, yourself. but I'm hacking, you know. I, I I see more guys today who don't get they they get cheated. You know, like you said, and Mike is another example. Guys who went down swinging, it may not have been a strike, but you know what? I'm gonna get my hacks no matter what. I'm not gonna let him call me out. Yeah, exactly. For the most part. I'm not trying to get on the modern day player. I'm just saying it's like, it's a lot. It's 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 that all or nothing right now. It's mm-hmm. like if I, you know, if I got the right launch angle, I'm hit five five balls and they're hit pretty good. I had a successful night. Well, no, gosh, drive a run in or get the guy. Move the runner over. Yeah, yeah, yeah come exactly. on. You know, it's like, I, mean, well, I, I talk about like that baseball. a lot, and Mike knows that. And it, and it's it's uh, moving the runner when you make an out. That, that's all the statistics we have and all the uh, whatever they want to call them, uh, all, the, all the statistics, basically. That's the one statistic that they never mention. And that's really important. And it's usually Shoot. the big, strong guy that they're playing so deep uh, that they can't. They, or, or like Maris told me, he said, you don't need to get 100 RBIs. All you need is 80 because there'll be a guy at third base and less than two outs. And all you have to do is hit the ball to the shortstop or the second baseman. And I see I see that happen so many times in, in, in our game today where the guys won't take advantage of that. <laughs> Going for the big blow every time. Well, that's Instead how they play. Instead of playing the game, though, it's like playing the game. No, I don't know. I look at it differently. I think you get paid if you win. That's the way I look at it. You know I would saying? agree. Like, that's the way I was taught. That's the only way to play yeah. this but game. But it's different. Exactly. It's different today, and you have to – you have to play the game the way it's played today, plain and simple. And uh, I don't think that a lot of people have figured it out yet. It's just like uh, when uh, when weights first came into the game. It took them a long while to figure out how to uh, correlate the weights with baseball, okay? In my mind, it took a long time. No, you're and, right. No, and, I, and I think the same thing is happening now that uh, with all of the 
annuities we have in the game and all the statistics we have, you know, and the so-called uh, the analytics, that come analytics, and okay. And I don't, I don't think that a lot of people have figured it out yet. Cardinals 5, 6, and 10-game ticket packs are on sale now and feature 2020's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the opening day pack, the jersey pack, the bobblehead pack, Friday pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $54. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. Merry Christmas on this special edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on the Cardinals Radio Network, a Christmas edition of the program. Hope everyone has had a fantastic holiday season. We'll have a great New Year's edition of the show next week. And as we turn the page from 2019 to 2020, really excited that we'll look back at some of the incredible moments that have made up what has been a remarkable decade, the 2010s, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Hey, now's the time, speaking of flipping the calendar to 2020, to pick up the essential item for every Cardinals fan, the official 2020 Cardinals calendar. It features the signature artwork of the team photographers, the club's spring training and regular season schedules, and four pages of money-saving coupons. You can pick up your copy of the 2020 Cardinals official calendar at St. Louis area retailers or by calling 314-345-9000. And we'll give away a 2020 Cardinals official calendar right now. We'll take caller 5 at 314-531-1120. Some great interviews in our one. A big thanks to Keith Hernandez, Tom Pagnazzi, Fernando Tatis, and Gary Gaetti. In our second hour, we'll hear from Fernando Vina, Reggie Sanders, Jim Tomey, and more. That's all coming up on this Christmas edition of the program. So many great conversations that Mike Claiborne and Mike Shannon have had on Live with Mike. We're so proud to bring it to you on the Cardinals Radio Network and look forward to a fantastic 2020 of interest reviews as well. It'll be here before you know it. But for now, another hour of this Christmas edition of the program. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson in the studio. And a big thanks to Ann Carroll on the Cardinals Radio Network. We're back in a moment on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here to swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. We have a chance to visit with one of my favorites as a player. He was a great interview and he was a good player with the Cardinals. Had a very good major league career. Gold Glover made the all-star team and was just an all-around good player for the Cardinals and his career in the major leagues. He is Fernando Vina, and it's great to have you. Thank you, buddy. It's always great to be with you and spend some time with you. This well, is a very, it's very been good a while. time for me. It's been a while because you haven't been through here as much, and you got to start coming through St. Louis I a little bit more. I would love to. I definitely want to get back in here and, and be, you know, I played for this organization, be part of the organization, and, and, and be on the field a little more and, and enjoy it. You know, it's, a, it's good times here. Well, for you, you probably had your best time in your big league career here in St. Louis, so all-star game, gold glover, and well, you were on some pretty good teams as well. Without a doubt. I, I was traded over here in, in the winter of 99 from the Milwaukee Brewers, and um, 
that day when I was traded, uh, boy, it was a good time because I knew with Tony La Russa and Walt Jockety, they were putting together a, a squad. So you knew you were coming to win. And then I remember from being a visitor playing here at this in, in St. Louis, how great the fans were and how supportive of, of players they were regardless of, of uh, visiting team or you know, the home team, they always knew what a good play was. They would clap for that. So, you know, you enjoyed it, and it was just – it's almost like a college atmosphere here with the fans. They're just so supportive. So when I got traded, it was the best thing uh, that ever happened to me. You know, you mentioned the fans, and I bet I've heard that a million times. And Albert Pujols was recently through here and <clears throat> the ovations and everything he got. And I was talking to Mike Trout about it. And Trout said that Albert tried to prepare him about how the fans are because he'd never been to St. Louis before. He tried to prepare him, and he said, this is 10 times more than what I could ever imagine how fans treat players, even from the opposing team. When, as you mentioned, you make a good play, they, they, give, you, they give you your credit when it's due. Yeah, they, they, I mean, this is a special place, and there's, there's nowhere. You hear it a lot, and it's a, a cliche, I think. It's, you hear it so much, but there's no place like St. Louis and, and uh, the way the fans treat you on and off the field. I mean, whether you're playing here or you're in a, a shopping center somewhere or eating – you, somewhere at a restaurant, it's amazing how how respectful they are, how nice they are to you, and how supportive they are to you. So, yeah, those, those times you never forget. I still speak to Albert uh, regularly. He's in obviously in Anaheim now or, or Los Angeles uh, playing, and and uh, we we talk from time to time. And boy, he he knows how special it is, and and I know it. And I think players that have done it, it's a it's a time you never forget, and it's a it's it's a time with with everything that comes along from being a Cardinal with the history with the you know, uh, Stan the Man and Bob Gibson, George Kissel. I mean, these different guys. Ozzie Smith, who helped me a ton. Just so many names and history here that you come in and you say, hey, I just want to take that baton and keep running with it, and that's what you try to do as a player. And run you did because when you got to St. Louis, the, that was the first time the Cardinals had a, a regular second baseman beyond one season for a long time. That was kind of like the wiggle room position where it was Gruzelonic and a number of other guys who were here for a cup of coffee. You had a pretty good run mm -hmm. here. So what – was it about you and your relationship with Tony and the other guys all, as you mentioned, started to come together? I think it was uh, just Tony's an amazing manager. Um, what he brings to the table, his passion, how prepared he is, I think, as a, as a player. You feel all that. You see all that, how supportive he is of you. I think all that coming together, and when I got traded over here, I felt it and I knew it going in from playing against Tony with the A's prior mm -hmm. to that. So when I got here and he was the manager and we we talked and and man I mean he just he's just all about winning and I think that really rubs off on the players and he's all about supporting you. You, you look at what Walt Jockety did. He got brought, kept you know making trades. Edmonds and Edgar Renteria and myself and Daryl the late great Daryl Kyle. God bless him. Uh, you know there, there was always uh, winning in hand and and they wanted to make sure they put a good good team on the field. And thankfully, thank God, we were able to put it together with the leadership of Tony, who commands a room like nobody else. It's interesting you bring up Tony in that regard. As you've noticed, you watched the game. The game has really changed. Yes. And I think Tony and your crew may have been the last team where the, it was such a demand to be better every day. I think we accept mediocrity in the game more now than we ever have. And I see good managers who really have to walk a fine line to make sure they don't lose a player, or let alone lose a ball club. Uh, but you guys policed yourselves. Tony was obviously the ring leader, but he put you in a room with a bunch of other guys who understood what winning was all about. Yes, yes. I think you, you kind of watched and everybody knew 
what you needed to do. The, we had veterans that picked each other up, and we had young guys. Uh, I mean, Albert Pujols came up. Mm-hmm. Bobby Bonilla got hurt in spring training, and, and there you go. Albert had his <laughs> chance, and, and the rest is history, as, as we could say. But, I mean, I think if you look at Tony and the, the coaching staff that we had, uh, Dave McKay, um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm leaving out some coaches now. Akendo was there, who was a special guy. Um, George Kissel, who God bless him. I love him to death. Uh, so many guys that were veterans that have been around the game, been around so much. And, and the special thing about Tony is regardless of, of the 25 different personalities, he knew how to get the best out of each guy. That's what I think separates a great manager from mm-hmm. a good manager. Tony knew how to fire myself up. He knew how to get under my skin a little bit. I'd get upset if he got under my skin. So he knew. That, mean, that meant he liked you. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. yes. So he would get under my skin a little bit, and that would make me say, you know what, I'm going to show Tony that I'm, I'm, I mean business. And he knew when he had to, you know, maybe pat a guy on the rear end a little more to get them going in that direction. So overall, this team, the the coaches and and our mindset and the way everybody patrolled themselves, Jim Edmonds was huge and in the outfield patrolling everybody and, and uh, our infield was, you know, golden with the, you know, Renteria rolling myself, McGuire, uh, Matheny behind the plate as a gold glover. So I think we kind of kept each other going. And that was, that was uh, a very special time in not only in my career, but uh, I think for, for the Cardinal baseball also. Man, you, you know, you mentioned some of those names, maybe some of the smartest baseball players. I mean, Jim Edmonds is one of the most observant players I've ever watched play the game even today as a broadcaster you can he sees things that most people wouldn't pay attention to uh Renteria was the same way and you guys work so well together up the middle uh how long did it take for you guys to come together because that's a chemistry position you have to have a feel for each other because if you don't somebody's gonna get hurt out there yeah yeah I mean with was it was a, a time when I got drafted over here, and Edgar was already here. Mm-hmm. We kind of uh, got in sync quick for some reason. I think we have that Latin background. We both speak Spanish. We both are hungry to to play and to win. And I think when we we practiced, we we practiced hard, and we did it the right way. And we 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 practiced after practice to make sure we were in sync. And that's what it kind of what it takes to be the best player that you can be. So you know. Edgar and, and myself, the combo kind of came together. George Kissel, Jose Akindo, our infield guys, got us going with a ton of ground balls. And, and when you do that, and you do that at a high level, and you trust him, and he trusted what I can do, and he, I, I kind of knew his moves from watching him prior with all the great years he had prior to being in St. Louis, his different movements of how he went about his business at shortstop, and that helped me to, to continue to get better. Cardinals 5, 6, and 10 game ticket packs are on sale now and feature 2020's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the opening day pack, the jersey pack, the bobblehead pack, Friday pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $54. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. Reggie Sanders joins us when we return on this special Christmas edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back, everybody. We continue with our visit with former Cardinal Reggie Sanders. Let's talk about that 2014. Mm-hmm. That was a veteran team as well. And, you know, you guys won over 100 ball games. You had the right manager with the right group of players. Mm-hmm. And everything went well that year. When did you know that team was special? Wow. You know, it, it you know, I knew we had something special going into spring training. Um, and, and Tony was so good at casting vision 
um, in terms of um, of uh, this relentless play that we we needed to do every single day when we stepped into the ballpark. And then you look, and then I started to look at you know all the positions in terms of you know uh, the players. And then I'm like, wow, this is this is something special because by 2001 when we won the World, World mm-hmm. Series with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I thought that that was an amazing team. But then getting a, looking around the the dugout, and I'm like, okay. And then when we acquired Larry Walker, it took us to another level. And the energy, the excitement. Um, now you guys rode to the ballpark together. Every oh day. Yeah, yeah, that was my yeah. that was my that was my partner. Still is my partner mm-hmm. to this what day. What a great person. Oh, he's phenomenal. We see him in Jupiter. Yes. If you can get him away from gardening and bowling, <laughs> good luck you, with yeah, that. Right. You, you got to have a lot of things working. <laughs> That's right. It's got to be raining really hard and they just oil the lanes. Amen. That's the only reason why you go see him around. Well, what a wonderful person yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and and that probably what stands out the most, too, in terms of character and integrity um, of, the, of the men that were working together for one common goal. You know, one one person said to me about you and Larry Walker, you, you two could work any corner of that clubhouse. Mm. You could work with the young guys, maybe the Latin players, maybe the old heads. You guys could work the corner and have fun with everybody. You've been in a lot of clubhouses yeah. in your life. How many times did you experience that sort of environment? Mm, that's a great question. And you know what's funny, though? When I got traded from Cincinnati and been with Cincinnati for a long time, and then obviously you know how daunting when you mm-hmm. get traded for the first time. And so, and then over time, continuously getting traded. And then in 2004, when I came here, I really saw the diversity in terms of who I was as a man and what the baseball has afforded me too in terms of all different people and being able to self-actualize that into what I did every single day to help foster a clubhouse and support a clubhouse in a, in a meaningful way. And so I think that that in itself, um, being able to just to adjust in every scenario um, in a supportive and a meaningful way, um, in, in a non-judgmental judgmental way, mm-hmm. um, I think it just adds value to who I was and what I brought to uh, the organization as well. Well, it, it's something that <clears throat> you don't see every day, uh, but I do see it with good teams, mm-hmm. winning teams. And I'm talking about championship teams. I'm not talking about making the playoffs. I'm talking about championship teams have that element that – I think is one of the final factors in the successful winning team because you have to be able to work the room because you have so many cultures, so many different environments that people come from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, think about well before you and I came along, how there would be times where people would say, you know, I never saw a black person until he was on my team. Mm. Mm. You know, now you move up the ladder and you say, well, I never was around a guy who spoke Spanish before now. Or I was never around a guy who grew up in a rural area. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many things that that are first for athletes that we take for granted. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. And and you're right. It is the diversity of of sports in terms of of, of that. But I think the thing that stands out the most terms of from a winning culture is is a positivity mm-hmm. um, of, of, of making sure that you know we know we that we play a negative game but if we can create a culture of positivity then oftentimes um, we all as a unified uh, group will be able to overcome those adversities 2004 you went over 100 games <clears throat> was there one game that stood out for you 
because uh, sometimes there's a situation that brings everybody together. Mm-hmm. It, maybe it's a beanball situation, or maybe a guy makes a great play defensively, or you come back from many runs being down. Was there any one game that stood out for you that you said, man, this is a lot of fun, and we're going to go back and kill somebody tomorrow too? Yeah. I mean, it's a culmination of a lot, really, you know, when you think about it. Um, because, as you know, I mean, being around baseball for so long, I mean, a season is just ups and downs and ebbs and flow and, and situations that, that people don't see, situations that, 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 you know, on the field that people do see. Um, but I think when, when, when you can bring um, a good group of young people uh, great baseball players together to create a family perspective in terms of understanding what trust is all about, understanding what unity is all about, and also understanding what respect is all about. Mm. And so when you when you when you cultivate those things together, I think that was a culmination of why we were able to go as far as what we did. And so that's what stands out for me to this day the most. How many team meetings did you have that season? Oh, I, to be honest, with you, I don't think we had very many. That's another good sign of a good team. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have very many at all. Um, obviously, we do our daily um, when teams would come in. Right. We do the but assessment. But a, a closed door no. moment, like, hey, you need to do this, no. and you, you didn't. No. You didn't see that. No. But, you know, that team policed itself. I yeah. mentioned earlier, you had so many veterans on that team and guys who had either won somewhere or were good enough to win, but just needed some help. Mm-hmm. And there was an expectation, too, mm-hmm. and an urgency, yeah. right? And so in that, uh, what Tony and, and the staff did so well is they allowed us and, and fostered this embracing expectations and, um, and urgency as well. And so I, I, think, I think in all of it, I mean, I just think that um, uh, we earned each other's trust as players on, you know, on and off the field. And how much time did you guys spend together off the field? Oh, because that's... As you see today, players don't interact as much as they used to off the field. And, you know, I get it. You know, the the camera phones have a lot Mm -hmm. to do with that, and guys have other things they'd like to do other than be out with their teammates. But when you guys were together, this was the kind of like the evolution of technology as Mm -hmm. we know it today. So you you didn't have anything else to do but hang out with each other. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know what's interesting? I think in 1999, when I got traded to San Diego – and um, and then I saw how Tony Gwynn, um, you know, kind of did his preparation mm. for the games, et cetera. And so he was really on the cutting edge of uh, video. Yeah. And really watching and understanding what video and how that would help him in terms of playing the game, et cetera. And so it's, it's interesting you say that because back back then it was there, but people didn't really see it yeah. the way it is today. What did you learn from him? I mean, the guy never struck out. No. Uh, and he was a guy that, as you mentioned, he looked at video, but he didn't look for spin. He looked for, as yes. he would say, I'm looking for something white and hit hard. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Tony taught me so much. But I think the thing that probably resonate with me right now is that his his mental discipline that he um, had every single day at the plate um, but when he will look at video, he's only looking for one thing, and that's that's body alignment. And if his mm. body alignment is 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 where it needs to be, oftentimes his bat path will be where it needs to be consistently every single time. Interesting, you bring this up because in this day and age of video and technology and launch angle and this and that, man, if you keep it simple, 
you can be successful in swinging this baseball bat. Absolutely. And just as you just said, alignment, I hear alignment, I hear balance from mm-hmm, pitchers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we see so many other things that come into play that we're like, okay, I got to remember to do this and do that. And all of a sudden, a lot of guys, their hair is on fire because they can't disseminate all this information. And, oh, by the way, that ball's going to move a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe in and out or up and down. I got to mm-hmm. try and still be able to square it up. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. well said. You know, I, I think, you know, oftentimes is, um, you know, we, we as players get in our own heads. Mm-hmm. And so it's, number one, you have to identify who you are and uh, what strengths do you have that you can bring to this game. And then from there, you, then you have to figure out in terms of from an alignment perspective, in terms of from a discipline perspective, what are those things that I do well that I can replicate every single time. The Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up is Saturday, January 18th through Monday, January 20th. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autograph tickets at cardinals.com WWU. Jim Tomey joins us when we return. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you. Merry Christmas from all of us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Ameren on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back, everybody. Jim Tomey is our guest, the Hall of Famer, along with Mike Shannon. I'm Mike Claiborne. 612 home runs. How many of those did you actually try and hit? I'll say this. As I learned the technique of how to hit a home run, there were times in each at bat I would pick spots. And it wasn't it wasn't that I was thinking home run. It was thinking get the bat head out front and with my ability, the way my swing was, get the ball, you know, get the ball out front and and try to drive the ball. But it wasn't so much aloft it it was to more let more or less think hit the ball off front and let the ball do what it's going to do and then and then you would it would just kind of take over from there but there were you know sure if we were down three runs again in that bat in that at bat you would pick spots you know oh two i i was trying to battle I, you know, I, I was a strikeout guy, so that's where the ball would get a little bit deeper on me. Fortunately, I had the power to hit the ball the other way, which did help my swing at times. So there was, I think in each at bat, there were points in that at bat. You can, you can get out there and try to get after it a little bit, and then the at bat might bring you back to say, okay, I got to now put the ball in play or I got to become a hitter. Wait a second. Put the ball in play. <laughs> yeah, I mean That's, with a guy, but with a guy on third base. Well, sure, I sure, understand what you mean, th- you know. But we we don't hear that very from the modern day player. We don't hear that very much because they don't want to put the ball. They want to just they want to lift it. That's yeah. correct. They want to oh, lift and it. It doesn't matter what the score is, what the inning is, what the what the situation is. The the it, and, it, I, and and I think we're going to see the same thing in this three game series, no matter what the situation is. Yeah, I, I, I will say this. I mean, you know, I think playing the game in the 90s and how, you know, you hit and ran, you stole bases, you bunted guys over, you did all the little things well, How many, how many times did you get the bunt? Did I get a bunt? Yeah. Oh, I, I probably tried to bunt 10 times in my career, mm-hmm. whether it was a sack of – an old for twenty some, and hey, and how, many times did the man, I mean, how many times did the manager say, "Hey Jim, what the heck are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> a few, 
<laughs> a few, but not not much so early in my yeah, career. Because right. you're you know it's a you're battling, you're trying you're trying mm-hmm. to do what it every day what it took to win a ball game, mm-hmm. and that's that's how we were taught to play. It's taught that way now, though. There's a lot of guys who don't do the little things like they used to or like yeah. they were taught, and it seems like there's a real disconnect, which is why we we're seeing more strikeouts than ever before, yeah. more home runs than ever before, and more walks than ever before. It just seems like we've limited ourselves to to not giving ourselves a chance to use the other elements of the game. If you look at it, everything is so statistical, analytical, we're breaking everything down that, you know, like I think certain teams have speed that do try to hit and run. I think certain teams don't try to hit and run. But it seems to me, since the word launch angle has come out in the game, it seems to me that more guys, like my, yeah. I heard Gallo say, what's wrong with a base hit and driving in two runs with a ground ball up the middle? And he was right. He was right. Like, at the end of the day. Well, you like, know yourself, when, when they, they pulled the infield in yeah. and you were the batter, man, you said, come on in a little closer. Like, I, I can, can, turn you I can hit a line drive. <laughs> yeah. but, but, again, that line drive, you might have just caught the ball back a little bit where if you catch that ball a little bit out front, maybe you hit a line drive in the gap for a home run. So that's the evolution of hitting. You're going to get beat. No, no, maybe you're going to get you, out front. Maybe, maybe you would hit the ball in the gap for a home run. <laughs> yeah. Most other Mart- guys, if you Martel, just... he's just going to hit it. But, in the gap. but, but with that, Mike, I think I think more guys are definitely trying to lift the ball. And oh, no doubt about it. Hey, you know, speaking of in the dugout, you were in the dugout the other day in that 19 inning yeah. game. You were down there to do the star of the game, and and you were on television, and you were watching the manager waiting for him to to uh, to make a, a change in the pitcher. And I was watching you. <laughs> I was trying to play along and like I, I was at home. Saying, Are you going to take him and, out? You know, or what, you the know? thing is, you know, he made a good point. He said we played a 19 inning game and didn't double switch once, which he's good at double switching. He he's really sure. figured it out. Uh, it, but it's interesting to watch Mike Schilt manage. Uh, he, he doesn't miss much. He, he's a really sharp guy. It's fun to try and play along with him. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Tito. I think they're baseball lifers. Mm-hmm. I think they're baseball rats. They love to be around the ballpark. Having meeting Mike for you know two or three or four times, you can tell the love of the game. This guy really, really likes the game. He's smart. It seems to me that these guys really love playing for him, and it showed. You know, they're 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 really having a having a nice year, and it's he's been preparing for this for a long, long time. I know. <laughs> this guy's yes, this yeah. guy's worked really hard he's his whole like life, it. and it's good to see guys like him have the success they're having. I want to bring up a guy you mentioned earlier, Charlie Manuel, yeah. one of our favorites, the best uh, old school hitting instructor. How much fun did you have with him? Oh, Charlie, everything, really. I would not be where I'm – my career would not have been where it was at without him. You know, this is a guy that protected me. He pushed me. He worked. We worked countless hours. We, you know, went to the cage during good times. We went during bad times. We had to figure things out. We, you know, we did enough work when the times went well that you wanted to maintain it but not overwork. At the end of the day, I will say this. One of the things, the greatest gift he had is that he loves all his players, 
but he loves to work. And if you're willing to work and you're willing to go out and and throw BP and show your guy that you're there with him through pitch one to the final pitch of the year, I think that's why our guys loved him so much. And and he had this great gift of of really know, his greatest saying was know thyself. So he worked with me different than he would Lofton or Vizquel or Albert Bell, you know, and he knew each player and what made them go. But he, at the end of the day, he loved them all, and that's why I think we loved him. Yeah, we, we get such a kick out of Charlie Manuel, and I'm just so glad to see him back. You mentioned work, and we see guys who spend an eternity in a batting cage. Yeah. Can you be a little too swing happy from time to time? Do you know? Because you can be in a cage sure. and just perfect a bad habit yep. if you don't know what you're doing. You can. You can. I think – you're seeing some teams today really monitor how much BP they're taking. Uh, look, look, I'm all for work, and I think my game needed work. But I think there's also from a, let's say, a manager's in or a hitting instructor's in, you got to be able to know that, hey, you played a 19-inning game the other night, so – you know, like monitor how much these guys are act. There, there, there's a fine line to both how much work you do and how much rest you do give because it is a long season and you do you do need them for that long grind. And okay. and teams I think are noticing that and they're they're helping the guys today monitor that very closely. Muser used to have the last five minutes of hitting, and he'd come out and if he was hitting well. He'd just take two or three swings and boom, boom. And then he'd say, and then and we'd all jump in there and try to get his last three minutes, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because back then you didn't get but three minutes. I mean, that was a long time, three minutes. You know, he got five minutes because he was staying the middle. <laughs> he's he's musical. What are you Absolutely. But he would, when when he was going good, he'd just take two or three swings to get loose. And he said, that's all. He'd throw the bat down and he'd go on the outfield. And shag balls, I might add. Okay. There, there's another lost get start. The, get, yeah. the, get the ball off the bat. Yeah. Because you cannot you – can't, that guy only wants – there are very few guys that can hit fungos that, that are valuable. There, there are a few now. but Not many, though. No. Not many. But to, to get that ball off the bat in batting practice, that's the name of the game. And that's, how you, that's how you improve in the outfield. And, and, and he said one thing. I mean, we went back to the conversation earlier about work. You know, like you gotta get out and work, but you do. You do monitor it. You just, you know, at the end of the day, to get better in baseball, you have to try to master your craft. But do it if it's nine swings, if it's take four fly balls in the outfield, if it's take a couple, like five or ten ground balls in the infield, whatever makes you go. But you gotta, you gotta be be consistent with your routine, and the routine will make you better. You can't get out of your routine because you think you've done well. This game doesn't work. It humbles you very quickly. I would mention to say that there are very few coaches that will not contribute to that work ethics. Yo, they, they put so much work oh, in yeah. today. The, the, these coaches work yeah. so hard, honestly. I mean, it's 
across the board, it's just really impressive. Only because they want to. And they, and they like it. it. And, and like they to. love the game. Make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball. Packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call one 800 892 Seven six eight seven. We're back in a moment. Chris Raby alongside Mike Claiborne on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back and Merry Christmas. I'm Joe Pott, and I'm joined now by Stan McNeil, Senior Staff Writer for Cardinals Publications. Cardinals Magazine specifically, and one of the things, Stan, that uh, is always big this time of year as we get set for uh, spring training and the regular season is that St. Louis Cardinals calendar, uh, which is out now, and I've seen it. In fact, I've got one right here, but what a tremendous... uh, what a tremendous thing for any Cardinals fan to have on the wall uh, come the come spring training and, and the season, isn't it? Oh, excuse me, absolutely. I mean, if you didn't get one under your Christmas tree, uh, you know, there's still time to get one before the new year. But uh, you know, the the calendar, in my opinion, really kind of showcases the great photographers that <clears throat> that the that we have working for the Cardinals and shooting for the Cardinals. I mean, uh, you're talking about. Uh, Taka is the lead photographer for the Cardinals, and your Billy Hurst, Scott Roback, Bill Greenblatt, Dan Donovan, all these guys are there pretty much at every home game from about 4 o'clock on, you know, shooting obviously the action, but the fans, uh, the atmosphere, and, uh, you know, Steve Zesh, the editor of the magazine, chooses the photos for the calendar, and it's uh, <clears throat> it's a difficult uh, job just because there's so many great photos to choose from. And, and you kind of said it, it's it's not just, okay, here's Adam Wainwright throwing a pitch, but we're talking about some clubhouse photos, some celebration photos, um, some stuff from, from opening day. There's a lot of that, like you said, that kind of captures the atmosphere of being at Bush Stadium and being with the Cardinals. It's a great thing to look at in January and February especially. <laughs> You know, and and the other the other thing that uh, we really try to we work we work hard on is to get as many of the game times for the tw- for the upcoming season the exact z- game times as we can. And so, you know, you get your calendar on January, you can look in there and see what time the home game at uh, the end of August uh, starts. And, and as you know, the past couple of years, there's those, the start times, the first pitch times, uh, they rotate a little bit uh, as the season goes on. You know, it seems like maybe that's far-reaching, but but the fact is that the people in St. Louis, Cardinals fans, they're legitimately looking at that and and planning the the next six months. Heck yeah! You know, if you are uh, coming from out of town for a weekend series, you want to know if that Sunday game is uh, the one hundred five or the one fifteen start or the seven hundred five ESPN because that could uh, make getting home a little problematic for you if you're depending on how far you have to go. Stan McNeil with us here on Countdown to Opening Day. And Stan, obviously a big part of the uh, Cardinals magazine and the newest issues. A couple weeks old now, and there's a lot of great stuff, as there always is. And one of the things that fans are going to find, obviously, is kind of a look back at the 2019 season, uh, division championship season. You've got all that recap. Something else is a a profile on Ricky Horton, who fans can hear uh, on the Cardinals radio network uh, during road games with John Rooney. Yeah, I don't know if how 
you know, Rick is now part of the media, really. You know, he's calling games, pretty much calls games or does pregame, postgame shows for the TV side all season long. But uh, Ricky was a pretty good pitcher. You know, I know that if you listen to him enough, he's pretty self-effacing and uh, kind of downgrades his career. But, no, he pitched seven good seasons in, in the major leagues, was a very – you know, had a very interesting kind of uh, post-career to get to where he is now. So I think, uh, you know, it, we did this in each issue in 2019 where we t- took a look at one of the broadcasters because really if you're, a, if you're a fan, you're spending as much time with that broadcaster as you are with anybody, you know, di- during, the, during the season. So uh, Ricky's really interesting guy and uh, doing a great job. So I think uh, readers – Cardinal fans would enjoy that that piece for sure. Such good things you can get in the magazine, uh, you know, that you're not going to get anywhere else. And, and you and I were talking before we went on air here, and John Brebia writes a regular column, and that's something kind of cool to, to, to get inside the mind of a Cardinals pitcher. Especially if the mind is John Brebia. <laughs> <laughs> he is. That guy is just as, you know, he's super, super interesting for a baseball player, but he's just a really interesting guy, you know. I mean, that's a guy who kind of came up through the independent leagues, drafted by the Yankees, got released, went to the independent leagues for a couple years, was drafted by the Diamondbacks in the minor league rule five and ended up with the Cardinals the following season. And uh, he's, you know, he's turned into a really big contributor, but he, his, his perspective on things, and in the, the, this issue, he writes about what it was like to be in the clubhouse celebrations, you know, for the first time as a Cardinal, what it was like that, what it was like on the field in Atlanta, and uh, he just really brings uh, kind of a unique perspective to it. Well, Stan, we certainly appreciate a little bit of time. What's the best way for fans to get their hands on either the Cardinal calendar or the Cardinals magazine? Uh, well, it's at uh, this it's at the Cardinal Gifts gift shop. It's also in uh, most of your area grocery stores, Nuts and Deerberg. You can also call 314-345-9000 and get it that way. Or you can go online, cardinals.com slash publications, and get either the calendar or the, the magazine. You can find it there. So. Stan, thanks so much. I, I, I certainly appreciate the time. We are literally counting down to opening day, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you uh, before that gets here. It'll be here before we know it, Joe. It will. That's Stan McNeil. I certainly appreciate the time. I'm Joe Pott on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Now's the time to pick up the essential item for every Cardinal fan, the official 2020 Cardinals calendar. Featuring the signature artwork of team photographers, the club's spring training and regular season schedules, and four pages of money-saving coupons. Pick up your copy at St. Louis area retailers or call 314-345-9000. Let's give away a calendar right now. Caller 5 at 314-531-1120 wins a 2020 Cardinals official calendar. Wrapping up this Christmas edition of the program and Clay, have given you some time your bucket list christmas gift wish interview you could sit down with anyone who's it going to be i would say either willie mays or hank aaron uh those would be the two uh because i think we've had a chance to talk to all the other great ones along the way but those two would be guys that i would love to just sit down and just hear what they 
but thinking of what they saw, how how they saw the game compared to how we see the game. That is a fantastic answer. Merry Christmas to you, buddy, and to everyone tuning in. A big thanks to Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, and Ann Carroll from the Cardinals Radio Network. For all of the above, I'm Chris Raby. We'll be back next week for a New Year's edition of the program. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. From all of us, this has been Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.